Welcome to the Health Design Podcast. I am your host, Moyes Jiwa. My guest on the podcast today is Yoko Sen. She's a sound alchemist and founder of Sen Sound. Sen Sound aims to alleviate suffering through transforming sound design in hospitals. As she says in this conversation, the last sense to die when we pass is our sense of hearing. Imagine what that sound could be if you die, as many of us do, in a hospital or an intensive care ward. An extraordinarily important question and one which begs an innovative answer. Yoko Sen explores that idea in this conversation. You're very welcome to the show, Yoko. I'm particularly pleased to be speaking with you because when someone is diagnosed with an illness, whatever that illness is, it becomes a burden. So you can imagine they end up with appointments with doctors, they have to take medications, they have to go to hospital for tests and all this sort of thing. It is a burden. And you have a particular perspective on that burden and how you can maybe make yourself well, despite the fact that you're physically not well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so when when I started to have those series of mysterious health complications, I remember, you know, I, I used to make list of things to do because I used to be a sort of a type A personality. So you create a list of, okay, I'm going to see this specialist and this doctor. I'm going to read uh, this book that seems to be about my kind of condition. I'm going to try this new special diet. I'm going to try this kind of medicine or supplement. And I was convinced once I get to cross off all the list, I should get better. And I did all of that and I still wasn't better. And I guess that we, we at some point in our life, many of us have this sort of idea that life is the thing that just kind of continues. And I guess it was probably the first time that I realized this this sense of mortality, right? And ah, I, I thought I would be able to do this and that and all of the plans and dreams and that may no longer happen. And and it was very difficult to to come to terms. And back then I had a a therapist who kind of uh, was helping me as I went through all of that. And I I still remember one day she told me, maybe the the thing you put on your to-do list today is to be okay with the idea that you may not cross off anything today from that list and, and then you're okay or you know learn to to feel safe with the idea that that you may not get better. And that was a complete paradigm shift. And it was interesting that once I started to accept that idea, I started to get better, actually. That's incredible. And it is true of so in so many cases that people experience this lifting of a burden 
once they accept it, and, and they may get better, they may not get better, at least in the physical sense, but their spirit gets better. They get a feeling of lightness. They get a feeling of a repurpose in their lives because somehow illness seems to take away that purpose in your life. You see yourself as a particular person and then suddenly you are not that person because your image of yourself changes. And we as humans find it very hard to accept. Right. In- indeed, that's what we found as I got lucky and I recovered and I went on to do the work I do today. And part of the work, we did quite a lot of uh, research with patients and patient experience. And one of the main things that we found is this idea of uh, identity, loss of agency, loss of control, that even we have to take our belongings and clothes off and put on this sort of a gown that feels very impersonal. We don't really get to choose when to eat. We don't get to choose when people are coming to visit. We don't know when who is coming into the room. So there is this idea of a loss of agency and, and lack of control, which I also, as a Japanese-born person, found to be a very Western concept too, that because much of our research happened in the United States. I, I don't know, as somebody who was born and raised in Japan, I, I have much idea of control over my life to start with. So when you talk about lifting of the burden, I, I, I don't know if it was entirely the lifting of the burden. I, I felt a little bit more that burden stay with me, but it's sort of a permission that burdens are okay. Yes, that's right. We think that it's something personally foisted on us. The suffering is something that was somehow we were selected for this particular curse, whatever that happens to be. Right. Having that experience changes you in a way that enriches your life. Right. Especially after experience like that, I I think I really had to find a new kind of a meaning in my life, a new purpose in my life. And the life I have now it's completely unexpected, you know, if I, before the whole health complications, I wouldn't have imagined any of the things I am doing today. That resonates with so many of our guests who talk about how a particular event in their lives, which on the face of it are tragedies, changed them beyond all recognition. They found enormous strength where they, they didn't think they had, enormous passion for things that they didn't realize that they could utilize to make a difference in the world. Absolutely, yes. Talk a little bit about your work. What is the main thrust of what you do today? I'm working to transform the sound environment in hospitals. So I am a musician by training. So when I had those health complications, I was shocked. Hospitals are loud and noisy, right? Like all the machines are beeping and beeping and people are 
screaming in this overhead speaker. It was so horrifying, all the noise, right? And I've, you know, dedicated my entire life as a sound artist up until the illness to use sound and music as a way to create, you know, transformative experience for the audience, like I do performance and installations. And, you know, some people say hearing is the last sense to go when we die. And I used to think about the last sound I get to hear. And I was like, wow, is it this beeps? Is, is this the last thing I hear? And it's it's terrible, right? But if you think about it, in the United States, at least, I think like upward of 60% of people end up dying in acute care hospitals today. So, and I think recently there is a group of researchers who actually published a study that shows the evidence that hearing is indeed the last sense to go when we die. So those machine beeping actually can be the last sensation that many of us have. And it's horrifying, right? So I, after the illness, in addition to being a musician, I, I had to find a purpose. I wanted to change that. And I decided to change that. And I got lucky. I got to work with different uh, academic medical institutions in the US, in Europe. Many of them have, you know, healthcare innovation centers using human-centered design. And currently, our team, small team, works with medical device companies and to help them redesign those beeps of medical devices in a way that incorporates the perspective of people who have to hear those sounds every day, like doctors, nurses, patients with chronic illnesses, you are surrounded by those sounds, you know, every day, but very rarely sound is a part of a consideration in healthcare design and innovation, even though there are lots of studies that show sound can impact stress, anxiety, fear. There's a study that shows sound can increase the sense of learned helplessness among clinicians. Sound can create hearing loss, all sorts of physical, you know, change. Yet, you know, we live in uh, such a visually oriented culture and sound is something that's often ignored. So that's, that's the work that I ended up doing after the illness. If you think about the interaction between physician and patient, it is not just a technical exchange. There is a whole lot of meaning in that encounter. And the healing doesn't just happen because of the medication. The healing happens because of how the patient feels, as we were talking about earlier, how the patient feels about that illness. And of course, all of this is within a particular environment. And it's not just what you see, it's what you hear, it's what you smell, what you taste, and what you can feel in that environment. So yeah, I'm I hadn't realized that sound is the last thing that we experience as we pass. Yeah. And I would be 
horrified to think that the last sound that I would hear in an intensive care ward, particularly in these COVID times and, and all that, right. uh, the sad thing that's happening to so many of people in the, in the world, that the last sound they hear is this yeah. cacophony of discordant sound that they would never have yeah. chosen to listen to in life. Absolutely, yeah. You know, one of the projects that we have done, and we did this with communities all around the world with different cultures, is to ask people a simple question, what is the last sound you wish to hear at the end of your life? And I collect the voices of people talking about the last sound they like to hear, and I put their voices together into a piece of music, and I play with different communities. So I did it with community in Brazil. I did it with, uh, you know, medical device engineers in Germany. We did it with hospital leaders and physicians and nurses in New York. India, Iceland, different cultures. And it's very fascinating that first, all across cultures, there's one thing that everybody says, which is, oh, Miss Yoko, in our culture, it's taboo to talk about death. And I say that every culture, people say that. And it's almost like we, we talk about cultural difference and divisions and conflict. But fear of death seems to be one thing that actually unites all the different cultures. And there are at least two things that I hear in almost every culture that the people share that they like to hear. One thing is the sound of nature. And almost every culture people say, sound of water, like sound of ocean waves. And almost every culture, people talk about voice of loved ones, like voice of their children, voice of the mother who already passed on. That's, that's very universal. And then people talk about funny things too, like people say, a sound of orchestra tuning, getting ready for a performance, or sound of a baby laughing. Uh, there, there are lots of interesting answers. And, and it's very striking that that's not what we hear in hospitals, of course. Yeah. It isn't. Indeed, it isn't. And it's almost considered to be a nuisance when you find somebody saying, well, what about the sound? And they say, well, look, we're here trying to save lives. Right. Big sound is there so to alert the nurse that there's something not right. But right. of course, we aren't dealing with cars on a ramp. We're dealing with human beings in a hospital bed. And right. at any one point, our life can be extinguished, whether it's expected or not. And you're right, we need to be thinking about that. Whether And it is taboo. We, we don't like talking about death. But if we don't talk about it, how can we prepare for it? And one thing is guaranteed, we will all pass. Right. And with regard to those beeps and sounds, of course, they are important and our goal is not necessary to eliminate that all of a sudden or make it unsafe. But it's more that 
can we bring some consideration and awareness in those sounds which in often cases have stayed exactly the same for decades without any consideration for design and not just patients but also the day-to-day stress and experience of clinicians you know doctors and nurses in in fact one of the first projects that we got to implement uh, with one of the Johns Hopkins uh, hospitals is uh, we call Staff Tranquility Room. It's a relaxation space inside a hospital facility, but it's specifically for doctors and nurses and people who work in hospitals so that they get to take a moment to relax away from all the sensory overload. And I think it's important to recognize how those sensory aspects of the environment affect us in ways that we are often not aware, but it still affects us. Yes, as a, as a clinician, I completely resonate with that because mm-hmm. if you are not mindful, if you are not present for the patient because you are distracted by the noise and the alarm bells and the whistles and the beeps and whatever else, you cannot connect with the person who's sitting in front of you in a way that's meaningful. Right, right. I think many of our guests would feel the same way and I echo their feelings about that. Now you've done a number of other very interesting projects and you were talking to me earlier about the music video that you've done. Absolutely. So many of the projects that our team does around the sound environment in hospitals takes a long time. Like changing the sound of medical devices takes a long time, as you know, you can imagine. And it should take a very careful, deliberate process because it concerns with safety and regulation. And when the COVID crisis happened, I really wanted to do something that's more immediate, that that can help in some way. And I have a friend uh, who is a nurse. Her name is Tammy. She's really one of the most caring people I know and Tammy and I started to talk and can we can we do something can we do something and typically I do this uh, project of music that incorporates the voices of people talking about the last sound they like to hear and Tammy said maybe we can create a piece of music that incorporates voices but this time voices of uh, frontline healthcare workers and and we were like, okay, what, what should we ask them? They are so busy and maybe they don't want to share anything. And, and uh, you know, we realized we should just ask, how are you feeling right now? Very simple. How are you feeling? So the two questions we asked was, how are you feeling? And what would you like other people to know about what you are going through right now? So those are the two questions. And we emailed, Tammy emailed her, you know, friends and colleagues 
frontline healthcare workers, 19 of them. And I was surprised that many of them, like I wasn't even sure if they would be willing to share anything. And many of them said, thank you for asking this question, which was so shocking. Clinicians are so used to taking care of other people. And and we realize we are not asking the simple question, how are you feeling? It's not your patient, how are you feeling? And they responded, it was a very emotional process. So I edited those voices and created a piece of music with the video. That was back in May. And then around that time, I started to talk to another nurse who is a leader in this healthcare organization in New York. And, you know, New York went through a terribly difficult time. And that organization really went through challenging time. And that nurse, the leader, also gathered the voices, this time ranging from physicians, nurses, first responder, a person who cleans the room and facility, and a chaplain also, you know, so it's not just physicians and nurses and, you know, leader of the hospital. And it was the most emotional project I, I think I've ever done. So I have two pieces now. The second piece, we are still making sure that the people who recorded the voice get to hear the piece first and they can process and digest the piece because it's very emotional. But the first piece is done and, and we can, it's already in public and this is a volunteer work. It's sort of our gift to the universe. So, so it's, it's available for anybody to hear, listen, watch and share with anybody. Yes. We'll make sure that it's included in our show notes for this conversation. Yoko, where can our listeners find you? Do you have a website? Are there other places where we could reach you? Yes, the best way to uh, know our work is probably just Google my name or SendSound and there will be a bunch of uh, videos or articles by New York Times, BBC, Stat, like those will probably come up and people can read about what we do with hospitals and medical device companies and, and, and things like that. I'm, I'm terrible. And I kind of do Twitter. But not really. But but if people reach out to me by Twitter, I think it's Yoko K. Sen. I will do my best to, to do social media as well. Thank you so much, Yoko. It's been a joy speaking with you. Thank uh, we you, wish Marianne. you the very best of luck in your projects. What you're doing is extraordinarily worthwhile. And we mm-hmm. very much look forward to hearing from you in the future. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Journal of Health Design. Better health by design. Visit us at the journal of health